Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor. And uh, before we dive into the word, I want to ask you, how was your week? Um, Chad gave you respite and forgiveness if you didn't serve anyone last week. That was the goal, right? To connect uh, during that week of Lent, connect to Jesus through serving. Um, For me, my experience was, wait, wait, hold on, right, the sermon. I heard somebody preach on this, and it was, it was encouraging. Um, Jesus, thank you that I got a chance to serve you here. Like, Jesus, wow, like, I really love you, and the fact that you received this act of service from me, I really do. I love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thanks for the desire that I have to take care of other people and to put their needs ahead of mine. And um, so those were moments of communion for me. Um, I hope that that was the case for you. I went to Jesus Cares um, Friday night um, for the first time. I'd never been there. That's the homeless feeding ministry that happens right across the street at five o'clock on Friday. Um, and that was great. Ryan and I both went, and um, and he was pretty. Um, he was very like quiet and to himself. I think he was just nervous because it was a new situation. And uh, just as we started meeting people and, and handing out food and talking to folks, he warmed up. And by the time we were done, he was like, this is really fun. Like, I really enjoy this and wants to go back. So, so that was exciting too. So, um, so again, these are, you know, I see this every week, but these are things that I would not have connected. I wouldn't have connected him to Jesus if we weren't going through this Lent process. And you've got one week left. Okay, you got one week left to connect to Jesus after this week. No, you're, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're exploring these different ways of connecting with Jesus. And, uh, and so uh, today and this week, we're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about um, seeking Jesus through the scriptures, through the Bible. Okay, and, and this week, I want all of you, I want all of us to seek Jesus through the Bible. That's the goal. And so I've chosen a passage that will help us. Um, and before we look at that passage, I just want to talk and want to sort of get your minds thinking in, in the mode that the passage is going to lead us. Um, so we're going to talk about infomercials just for a second, right? You see infomercials on TV when magazines were a bigger thing. I know they still are in some places. Um, you've got uh, the thing that infomercials have um, is they, they all have testimonials, right? They all have testimonials. They all have people who in some form or fashion say, my life was so awful. (laughs) And then I got this product, or then I started using this service, or then I started painting with this European painting system thing, and now my home looks amazing, right? Oh man, and it's it's in on the infomercial. It's all black and white over here, and there's people struggling to like comb their hair or something, you know. And and then they get this brand new product that you know is yours for three easy payments of nineteen ninety nine, and all of a sudden the glory of God shows up in full color. Right? This is what infomercials do, okay? And um, and the point of these testimonials, the point of these the, the, of, of these things is that um, it wants to make us think, oh, oh man, I'd love for that to happen to me. Like, I'd love to look that good, right? I'd love to have my home look that nice. I'd love to have my cupboards look that organized, right? Whatever it is. Um, and so infomercials do this with testimonials, and, and books do the same thing, right? A lot of books um, that are written, the first, it seems like four or five pages now, and the back, and the little blurb at the bottom of the front, have testimonials, um, or they have scads of famous people who write recommendations for it, describing the content, describing the author, describing the impact of the ideas in this book. And these things make us think, wow, 
I would love to have what this book is talking about true about me, right? That's the design to get you to read the books. Um, and then I think also this happens, turning the corner a little bit, getting more spiritual. This happens week in and week out in our life groups, okay? Our life groups are the small groups that meet throughout the week in people's homes, and these are places where people come together and they talk about their relationship with Jesus. They talk about their interaction with the Bible and the impact that it has on their personal lives. And so in our life groups, you get to hear how the Bible is affecting other people. You get to hear kind of a testimony of the last seven days sometimes. Like this is what God has recently done in my life. And it's designed to encourage us. It's designed to help us to understand the impact that the Bible can have in our lives, that Jesus can have in our lives, so that that work would happen for us as well. And so we've got these three ways that are full of testimonials. The Bible also has places where it also has testimonials. Um, We're going to read a passage today where the Bible itself describes how powerful it is. And so within the library of books that make up the Bible, um, the Bible itself steps back and says, let me just look at myself here. I mean, that's not really what's happening, but what we're going to look at is a song. Somebody poetically wrote music um, and, and put lyrics down so that we would understand the power that the Bible has to change people, to work in people's lives, to bring us closer to God so that we would commune with him. And so if you're struggling with anything today, this message is for you, all right? Um, If you've never felt motivated to read the Bible before, this message is for you. If you have tried to read the Bible and failed hopelessly, right? If you've picked up the Bible and said, okay, this year is going to be the year, and start in Genesis, right, which everybody kind of does, and you can get through Genesis, not so bad. You hit Exodus, and halfway through, you're like, wow, this is amazing. You get to the second half of Exodus, and you're like, oh my goodness gracious, like, wow, what is all this? As they start building the tabernacle, you're like, really? There's so much. This is tedious. And then there's laws, and you're like, ugh. But you can get through it, because you're already halfway through when you get to that part. You're like, okay, I can make it through. And everybody dies in Leviticus, (laughs) right? So, If that has been your experience, this message is for you, right? Um, This is what we're going to do today. So I preach from the Bible every week. Today we're going to talk about the Bible itself because I want all of us this week to connect to Jesus through the Bible. And so we're going to read Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. Some of you who are here four weeks ago, we preached the first six verses of Psalm 19, and it talked about communing with God in creation, and it's kind of cool that in one song, you've got both the rehearsal of how to connect to God through creation, and then right after that, how to connect to God through the Bible. So theologians say there's general revelation out there in creation, but then the Bible itself is special revelation, covenant communication from God to his people. And so let's read. The verses are in your bulletin. They're going to be up on the screens. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 19. We're going to read verses 7 through 11. Friends, listen This is the Bible talking about the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Man, so we're going to look at three points today. First, first point, the Bible has power to change people. The Bible has power to change people. It's important to know this because even though that first word, it says the law of the Lord, we're going to talk about what that means in just a second, but the Bible actually is a library, okay? It's a library of 66 books, letters. It's got history. It's got so many different kinds of writing. There are do's and don'ts, but there are also testimonies. There's precepts. There's commandments, as this passage says. You might think they're all the same. You might think, oh, the Bible is... It's a rule book. It tells you what to do, tells you what not to do, um, but that's not actually what the Bible is. Uh, they're not all the same. These words, these six words, law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, rules, they're not the same, okay? They're, they're, they're really, really different. We're going to look at them briefly one by one because I just want you to taste and see how varied the Bible is. And, and I'm struggling right now because I actually want to talk to you for about two hours, about all six of these lines in this passage because each one tells its own story. I can't do that. I only have, you'll get mad, you'll get frustrated, you'll leave, you'll, the, you know, the elders will fire me and all that, you know. So we just got to go briefly, but I'm convinced after this one week of preparation, even though I've been, actually, it's probably about a month and a half of preparation on this message, um, I actually want to come back and do a whole series on the Bible and so we're going to do that at some point. I don't know if it'll be later this year, maybe next year, because um, I think you're going to be begging for more when we're done. So, and that's not a bad thing. So first, first line, verse 7, the law of the Lord. The law is all of God's instruction for all of life. Okay? The word law is the Hebrew word Torah or Torah. Um, the word Torah does not just mean the commandments. It doesn't just mean the do's and the don'ts. It's the instruction of God. And so it encompasses everything. This is the first line in this description because it's sort of the umbrella under which everything else comes. All of the ways that God instructs us, all the ways that God teaches us. Um, and it's perfect. It's perfect. And this word perfect means that it makes us mature. It makes us strong enough to face life. I've been realizing that actually the best thing to do for people that are struggling is not to tell them not to be afraid, but is to tell them that they, that they are strong. It's to tell them they have, that God has given them what they need to respond in the right way. There's something incredibly empowering about that to realize that actually life is a fearful place. Things will go wrong, and yet God and his instruction can make you strong enough not just to endure, but to overcome and to thrive. That's what this is saying, that God's instruction is perfect, and it is the law of the Lord is reviving the soul. This means it brings God's life into ours. And so it raises us from the dead. It gives us new life. It gives us new strength. It gives us new perspective. 
Like this is what it does. It makes us come alive. If you think about a glove that's just laying on the table. You pick it up. The, the law, the instruction of the Lord is God putting his hand into us so that we would live with his life. And so in the Bible, in the Bible, God teaches us so that we would experience him and become strong enough to honor him and display his character in the pain of our lives and against the brokenness and the evil of the world. Man, all of that's packed into this first line. Second, the testimony of the Lord. Okay, the testimony, this is the experience of God's people witnessing to us. So in the Bible, right, you've got people that are testifying. They are, they're, they're witnessing to us of what it's like to be in a relationship with God. And their testimony, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It's stable so that we don't break in our suffering. It's sure. We become sure because of the testimonies. And we have this experience, don't we? Like in our church, when you hear other people and the deal, the, the struggles that they have, and, and you hear them holding on to God, that, that, that's sure. It gives you confidence, right? There's a stability there. There's an anchoring there for your own soul. And that comes to us in the Bible. And this makes wise the simple, right? There is incredibly practical advice in the Bible. And so in the Bible, God provides people in the Bible. He provides people who are so much like us. And it's astonishing. You know, this book started being written, I mean, who knows how many thousands of years ago, right? Started with stories that were told and passed down and then written down. But in the Bible, God introduces us to people who walk with him, who know him, who struggle with him, who hate him at times, right? Um, and he provides people who experience him in the ups and the downs of life. And these people become our counselors to remind us of what is sure so that our decisions can be anchored in God and in his wisdom. So good. So good. So third, the precepts of the Lord. Now, this is interesting. As I did a word study here, I looked up, okay, what does the Hebrew word mean here? And it says that it kind of relates to um, procedures, rituals, and ceremonies. I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I started thinking about that some more. Um, and, uh, and I was thinking about, wow, yeah, there are these sacred rituals. There are these ceremonies of worship. Secret, the challenging parts in the book of Exodus that cause us to stumble and start to lose steam in our Bible reading, they're actually this elaborate description of how to worship God and the, the tent, the tabernacle that was supposed to be built so that people could commune with God, that he would live in their midst. And it was incredibly specific because God is holy and he's perfect and he's got very specific ways that he wants his people to come to him and every piece of the furniture I mean, it's, it's challenging to go, yeah, it's three cubits long, and it's a cubit and a half high, and it's four cubits, and it's like, what the heck's a cubit? Oh, it's like this long, well, now I've got to do math, and I don't like doing math. Come on, 1.5 is a cubit, 1.5 feet, so it's four and a half feet long, and three, and it's just confusing, and you're like, why am I reading this anymore? What? You know, like, huh? And so, but it's designed for us. It, it, it's talking about the rituals. It's talking about the way that we approach God, and then Leviticus is all about the offerings, and I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. The first like eight or nine or ten times I read the book of Leviticus, I was like, 
gosh, when is this going to be over? But I feel like I'm supposed to read every word because it's like something spiritual might happen to me if I like put my eyes on every word and say every word in my head, right? I've been there, I've done that, I understand it. And the more I've read it though, now I realize like this is actually God describing what a worship service was supposed to look like back then in every different kind of offering that was made is designed for a different thing to communicate a different message to us. These are the precepts of the Lord. And so I kind of waded into some of the, 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 the weeds of that. But just to step back, the ritual that, that overarches the whole Bible from beginning to end is the gospel. It's the gospel that we who have sinned against God, we who have left God, sometimes intentionally, we who have been hurt by the world and broken and been embittered by it and become people that oftentimes we don't like, God has reached out to us. God has come to us in the gospel with forgiveness and acceptance and love and power to accept us and welcome us into his family, to change us from the inside out. Like these are the precepts of the Lord. And what's amazing here is they are right. They are right. They are just what we need. And what's amazing about this word right is that there's a leveling idea in the word right which means that people who are exalted and people that are abased, the rich and the poor, the insiders and the outsiders, right? The clean and the unclean, they are all brought into a right relationship with God. And the, 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 the ground is level, we'd say at the foot of the cross. The ground is level with the gospel because it makes everyone equal. And so the precepts of the Lord are right. They make everyone equal. And if that doesn't rejoice the heart, I don't know what would. Right? They rejoice the heart. They give us gospel joy. Because God did all this, not because we were good enough, not because we deserved it, but because he is love, because he cares, because he has a plan to renew people so that they will renew the world and make it the way God designed it to be. So... The Bible leads us to perform sacred rituals and ceremonies that make all people equally humble before God and exalted by God to live for him with meaning and significance. So the gospel leads us in a ritual dance with God that trains us to live lives that matter. Man. Going on. The commandment of the Lord. Okay, the commandment of the Lord, this is God's do's and don'ts, right? These are the commands, right? The traditional understanding of the commandment, right? They are, uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure, right? This means that there's no hypocrisy in the commandments of the Lord. Um, people that follow them are the same inside as they are on the outside, right? Um, and so the commandment of the Lord also is enlightening the eyes. What the commandments do is they help us to see life with God's eyes, to see life the way that God does, the rights and the wrongs. And not just to see the list of rules, but to understand that every single law in the Old Testament is a reflection of the character of God. It's an aspect of who he is. And when we see that, when we make that connection from the law to the God who authored the law or inspired the law, we actually get to know him better. We become more like him in that way. And so the Bible gives us do's and don'ts that lead us to experience God in all of life. 
And as we walk in God's steps, we see life the way he does, and we are purified. Okay, then the fear of the Lord. Okay, the word fear, we still have it. Um, Some people like it. I kind of don't because the word fear, in some ways it's appropriate in our relationship with God, but in other ways it just connotes the idea that God is this like mean, angry ogre who's never satisfied, always wants to just destroy us and is ready just for us to step out of line so we can back, you know. That's not what this word means. That's not what the fear of the Lord is. Okay, the fear of the Lord is our awe-filled, respectful response of worship. It's the way that we respond to God. Right? And it's clean. It's clean. When we respond to God, it makes us forgiven and accepted by God. When we worship him, when we tell him how much we love him, when we are in awe of who he is and what he's done for us, it, it, it makes us clean. And it's enduring forever. So this means that worshiping God like this, responding to God full of awe and respect and wonder, makes us eternally significant. Because when we do this, we are doing something now that will be appropriate for us to do forever. And we will never get tired of it. Like, I don't understand how that works. And I don't believe that the new heavens and earth is going to be one long worship service, although I'm sure that there'll be elements of that, for, especially for those who love that. Um, And so, but the point here is that the Bible reveals a God who deserves our worship and who cleanses us so that our lives today are a foretaste of eternity and have an impact on eternity. There are people that are going to be eternally affected because you have an awe-filled respect for God when that comes out of your life. Okay, then finally, the rules of the Lord. These are, um, again, it's not his rules like as in the commandments. These are the rulings. These are his ju- God's judgments, God's responses to our actions. Okay, and the judgments of God uh, are true. They are always right in the storms of life. Okay, so in the world of chaos, in the world of all kinds of opinions and relativism and everybody's got a truth for themselves, God's judgments are always right. And they are righteous altogether. This means that he works, just what we sang, he works all things together for good to those who love him. All of his judgments, all of his actions bring about good for those who love him. And so the Bible shows how God rules in favor of his people. And he works powerfully to bring good out of everything that we experience. So, man, this is powerful, right? The goal for us is to see the first half of these lines as being true, right? To see that the law of the Lord is perfect, to see the testimony of the Lord is sure, to see the precepts of the Lord are right, right? We want to see that the, the first half of these, uh, of these lines, and then we want to experience the second half, right? When we see the first half, we'll experience the second. When we see that the law of the Lord is perfect, our souls will be revived, And if we see and experience these things, then we'll conclude with verses 10 and 11. We'll conclude that the Bible is more valuable than money. We'll conclude that the Bible is tastier to us than the best desserts. 
of this life. It warns us when we don't follow it, and it blesses our lives when we do. So, man, so much more to say here. Um, I want to say too, gosh, I can't say what I want to say. I'm sorry. Um, There's a whole section of God's family, our brothers and sisters, some of and some of them are here in our family. Um, these are people who hear God speak to them, right? You know them? Like, oh yeah, and God told me this, and I was doing this, and I prayed, and God said this to me. You know those folks? Um, they, they often spend most of their time in the Pentecostal and charismatic sections of the church, right? And, um, and we, if you don't love them, I, I love them. I love them for the eminence and the presence of God that is just, God is always right there with them all the time. You know, and there's incredible pros to, uh, to living your Christian life in that way. We all want to hear God speak to us, right? Um, as Presbyterians, we tend to be like, I don't know if they're really, I don't know, you know, like, I'm not sure. You know, like, we got our theology, we got it all worked out, this Westminster Confession of Faith thing. We, you know, they figured out the Bible about 400 years ago. We don't even have to read it anymore. We can just read our confessional statements, and we, we should be fine, right? Um, so that tends to be sometimes our response. Um, so much to say in this space, pained that I can't, but, oh well, I, I do want to say this. God speaks to us through the Bible and through his spirit, okay? There are times when you might sense something, when you might feel God talking to you. You might feel like God wants you to do something, um, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, let me say that... Um, the thing that is most important is that God speaks to us in both of these ways. And so, um, man, distilling like 20 minutes of a sermon down into 30 seconds here. Um, the more you understand, the more you hear the Spirit of God speak through the Bible, the more of his voice you will hear in your daily life. Okay? Um, the challenge is that I've been in conversations with people who tell me that the Lord told them something, and I'm like, dang, because the Lord says the exact opposite in the Bible. Like, um, and sometimes I'll speak up, sometimes I'll just be like, well, Lord, okay, they're your child, like, I'm going to let you kind of handle this. I don't feel like it's my place at this point to speak into that. So I just want to say that um, as good Presbyterians, um, the more that you know the Bible, the more that you will see and experience the Bible come alive in the daily activities of your life. The more you'll have a sense, you'll remember verses, you'll remember, you'll have feelings about parts of the Bible that will come to you as you talk to people, um, as you have a sense of what God wants you to do. And that's actually the dynamic of God speaking, okay? We tend to not call that God speaking to us, but it happens the same. The Pentecostals and the Charismatics just do a much better job of marketing that kind of experience because everybody wants God to talk to them, okay? But that's not quite, like, our experience of God and his word is not as different as you might think it is. So, um, and I learned this because I started asking the Charismatic and Pentecostal friends that I had. I was like, hey, so when you say God told you something, what do you mean? And I just started asking them, like, hey, what, what, tell me exactly what was that like? And they would tell me, and I'm like, oh, huh, that happens to me all the time. I just don't think that's God talking to me. I think that's me remembering what he's already said in the Bible. So 
there's actually a lot more unity there than you, than, than you might guess. And it's like, oh, so this is actually your best wisdom for what to do in this situation. But it's not like God, I mean, and, but then you got to be careful because you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to upset necessarily what's going on in their life either. And so, um, and we can certainly be pulled more into the imminence of God. I feel like I just confused the situation, but I hope you got something out of that when we come back to this. Oh, man. All right, there you go. So that's only point one. Good grief. Point two. So point one is that the Bible is powerful enough to change people's lives. And point two is the Bible has changed the men and women in our church. Okay? Um, I asked our leaders this, uh, this last week to tell me about your experience in these six areas. Like, what are these six things have you experienced and how have you experienced? Tell me about it. And I got all these amazing testimonies. I got 18 pages of testimonies. Things that will be incredibly encouraging for you to hear. And I'm only going to share a few things with you because, again, the time. So um, here's something that will encourage you. Someone said, this is one of our life group leaders, I grew up reading the Bible daily because I knew I should and I felt guilty when I didn't. This followed me into adulthood and I remember asking God to give me a desire to connect with him through scripture so that I wouldn't view it as a chore. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? Um, I don't know exactly when he started answering that prayer, but I am so glad that he did. Now, reading my Bible is not a duty, but a need I have, and one that gives me strength, guidance, and comfort. It does delight my soul, especially as I get to know Jesus better and begin to comprehend the depth of his love for me. Boom. So good. So good. Um, okay, another, another testimony, another life group leader. God's word is perfect. It has revived my soul and made me wise. Scripture has given me great joy as well. I had an episode of huge trouble in my family. I wanted to give up. And God's word spoke so personally and so clearly to me. It convicted me of my part in the problem. And I felt this heavy burden has been lifted. And now I feel open and I'm engaged with my family as we move forward. Boom. There's a passage in Romans 12 about love and the sincerity of love that caused this leader of ours to have their soul revived. Um, another life group leader. I've learned how to connect to Jesus much more since attending Harbor and since marrying my husband. Um, learning to pray ACTS, the A-C-T-S process, which we'll talk about in a little bit, has helped me to make my study more fruitful, which has allowed me to see God's character and Jesus' saving work. Another one, through difficult and challenging times and experiences, I cling to God's word because truly I have nothing else to anchor myself to. Not friends, not doctors, not money, not the perfect job or the control that I so desperately want to have. God's word is sure. It's that anchor. And then, uh, and then this last one, um, the verse that says, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Although, I, although I have experienced the gloriousness of great desserts, I have found that sort of joy is fleeting. Each bite isn't as good as the first glorious bite. After a while, it begins to overwhelm you and worse makes you feel guilty, fat, and ashamed. Can I get a, I don't know if I want an amen on that, but, <laughs> but I know what that's like. Um, 
Eventually, you might indulge again and for a moment feel that same joy as you did before, but again, you will experience the letdown begin after the 10th bite or so. For me, it's like the 18th or 19th bite, but you know. Um, and so if you finish before that number of bites, then you're fine. Um, okay, but, 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 this leader goes on, but the Bible is better. It's the never-ending dessert, and the spirit is always the tasty topping, and God is the unbreakable plate that it's served on. Like the woman at the well, we seek a God that will always be great the first bite. I remember my first bite of God at Harbor and how amazing it felt to finally understand true grace, forgiveness, and love. And I can recall many, many other bites since then, all as glorious, if not more, than the first. When's the last time you've been into a dessert and the second and third bites were better than the first? Never. But with God and the Bible, the more I know and the stronger my relationship grows, the better I can live as a little Christ and the more I experience and taste the glory of God. Man, these are people in our church, people that you can know, people that you probably do know already. This should f start a conversation, right? So which of these six things have you experienced? Which have you seen to be true? And tell me about an instance in your life where this has come true for you. So, yeah, what are we going to do this week then? How do we then apply this? Because um, you want this to be true for yourself, right? You want to have a testimony like one of these, right? You want this experience to be yours. Um, I mean, to do this, you really, you've got to devote yourself to the Bible. Um, just about every person, I also asked everyone that I, that I, that I, that I got, heard back from, I asked them, what's the hardest thing about reading the Bible? And there were two things that were almost on every person's response, um, one or the other. One was just time, consistency, focus. Um, and for some people, it's not just reading the Bible, but it's like, look, I read the Bible, you know, I check off the box, but then I don't actually stop and commune with God. Like, I don't actually spend time. Like, I read it, I get up and go and do my, my thing, and I don't even remember what I read. So, um, and then the other thing was, I have all these questions in the Bible. There's stuff in there that like, I kind of hope I don't come across. There's ideas in there. There's things that it says. There's pictures of God that I get that I really, that make me uncomfortable. Um, and so if that's been your experience, um, multiple people this week, multiple ones of our leaders, the way they handle it. So this is not a pastor speaking. Like for me, I'm like, I'll find out what the answer is and I need to fit it into the big picture. Like I, I'll go deep and dive. And I think there are answers for all those things. But what our leaders do is they tend to say, look, I realize I'm not going to understand everything in this life. And so I focus on what I do know is true. I focus on what is clear. And that really anchors my soul. That really does a work inside of me. And I trust that I will understand someday the things that are confusing or frustrating or mysterious to me. And so you got to devote yourself. This week, we got to devote ourselves to the Bible. Um, reading the Bible is just spending time with God. Um, and whether you read it, whether you listen to it, whether you read books about it or you listen to people talking about it, right? I mean, all that stuff counts. All of it is you interacting with the truth of the Bible. Um, and so you've got a little half sheet or a little quarter sheet in your bulletin. Let's pull this out. Um, how are we going to connect this week? This is the, the thing you can take with you. Um, first, 
First, by yourself, um, read and listen to the Bible four days this week. Okay? If you want to do more, you get extra credit. But I'm going to encourage you to do it every other day, four days. So that's today, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Right? Could you do that? Let's try to get one week where you spend four days four days reading the Bible, and we've even taken the Gospel of John and broken it into bite-sized chunks, right? So you don't have to read the whole thing, because that can get, I mean, we understand. There's a reading plan. I got to read four chapters a day, and I get behind, and it's like, oh, gosh. No, I'll catch up. I'll catch up. I'll catch up. I'll catch up. And then you just end up, it just kills. So we're giving you just a few chapters to read every day um, for four days, and there's just a, a quick outline there. Um, just to be able, again, you're trying to connect to Jesus. Um, and so that's one thing that you can do is read through these sections of the Gospel of John, which would be perfect in preparation for next Sunday. Then second, um, in your life group, you could do this in your life group, read the Passion Week. Read the story of Jesus from the triumphal entry. And if you don't know where that is, you can ask me or ask someone else or you can look it up on Google. Google the triumphal entry. Where is it in the Gospels? And it'll tell you the three places in Matthew, Mark, and Luke where you see the triumphal entry. So just read that from there all the way through. That's the last week of Jesus' life. So you can do that in life group um, just to walk with Jesus in the final week of his life. Um, third, I want to recommend that you get a city Bible reading journal. Okay. Um, the reason why is uh, the reason why I think this is important is because most of the people in our church um, struggle, some struggle to read the Bible, but then, like I said before, a lot of people struggle to actually commune with God over the Bible. And so, what City Bible Reading does is it's got a reading plan that you can follow or not. But even more importantly, what I want you to get is that City Bible Reading has a path, a plan for you to go from reading the Bible to worship. City Bible Reading gives you a plan to go from just reading the verses to communing with God. And it's, it's in the introduction. Um, you can... Uh, We'll probably, we, we can probably post it too, but it uses this, this process of ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And you can apply those four categories in a prayer based on anything that you read, and it will help you commune with God. You'll actually connect and worship him. And so get, uh, these journals are in the cafe space. We ask you for five bucks. It doesn't even cover the cost. Um, but uh, we also have, um, we've got some electronic versions of just the prayer piece that we'll send out. So if we have your email, if you've gotten an email from us, we'll get that out this week. Um, but if we don't have your email, then use the connection card. Give us your email and we'll send it to you as well. Um, it is one of the best things that will help you not just understand the Bible, but again, to commune with God and to rehearse the gospel in your life on every page of the Bible. So highly recommended. Get a City Bible Reading Journal. If you want extra credit this week, watch five videos from thebibleproject.com. This is an amazing place. These guys have, this, it's, it's a ministry, and they've taken books of the Bible. They have one on every book of the Bible. Then they have some thematic videos, so, and they present the message of each book of the Bible and each theme in a drawing format 
that also is audio. And so you can watch and learn at the same time. It's phenomenal. So watch five videos from thebibleproject.com for extra credit. And then five, come to our Good Friday and our Easter services. Good Friday and Easter are going to be two places where we commune with Jesus through the most important events in the Bible, through the climax of God's covenant in the death and the resurrection of his son. And so come and invite others. Come and invite others. There are people in your life, at work, in your neighborhood, in your family, that are among your friends, who will come to church next Sunday if you ask them to, but they won't on their own. So invite people to come next week. Invite them to come. All right, and then I just want to say really quickly, um, the third point here, we're going to end on this. The Bible has power to change people. The Bible has changed men and women in our church. Now point three, the Bible changes us because it reveals Jesus. Because it reveals Jesus. Jesus is the law of the Lord. Jesus' resurrection is the testimony of what happens to those who follow him. You've heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words, right? Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson actually said, he was the one who said, who you are speaks so loudly that I can't hear what you're saying. Have you heard that? Um, That's used to talk about and expose hypocritical Christians whose lives don't fit the love and the grace of the gospel that they're sharing with people. Um, When it comes to Jesus and the Bible, though, Man, that phrase that actions speak louder than words takes on a radical new dimension. Because sometimes when we think about the law and the commandments um, and the precepts, we think that God is a never satisfied perfectionist. Right? There's, that's the image of God that we have. He's sort of this angry father who's never ever happy. But Jesus shows us that actions speak even louder than words. Jesus instructs us not just as a perfect example, but as a perfect savior. This is so important because for every time that we fail to follow the law of the Lord, every time we fail to listen to the testimony of the Lord, every time we don't participate in the precepts of the Lord, every time we break the commandment of the Lord, Jesus doesn't just speak to warn us, but Jesus went to the cross. On the cross, Jesus shows us the consequences for our sins. And he shows us that he loves us enough to suffer the consequences of our sins. And so Jesus does instruct us in his life, but the gospel rescues us in his death and resurrection. Before Jesus gives us God's perfect law, Jesus gives us his perfect righteousness. Jesus doesn't just fear the Lord and what he will do to those who are under his judgment, but Jesus himself experienced God's judgment on the cross so that we would not fear God's condemnation, but we would be in awe of his grace. Friends, Jesus' warnings are swallowed up with hope and the possibility that comes with a revivifying love Jesus doesn't just give us his commands, but he writes his commands on our hearts. He gives us the power of his spirit to keep them. And so what we see here is that the Bible 
It's not, it's not about rules. It's about a relationship with God. That's what it is. Jesus is waking us up through his death and resurrection, reviving our souls. And so the words and the actions of Jesus, they're like a duet. They're like melody and harmony together. Can you hear both of those voices? Can others hear both voices from your life? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being the perfect embodiment of God's law and instruction. And thank you for being the perfect Savior who rescues us. We want to devote ourselves to knowing you more. And so please open our hearts to see you in your word and draw near to us. Draw near to us this week so that we would experience you, so that our relationship with you would go deeper. Please teach us this week that reading your word can be a delight. We pray this in your name. Amen.